Hey, Drunk Mythology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm Other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk Drunk Dickens Gals. Dickens Gals. Wow, we're still out of practice on that. It sounded perfect to me. I mean, what is perfection anyway? (laughs) Perfectly imperfect. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of perfectly imperfect, ready or not, and frankly, the world probably is not ready for us to do this, it's time for... Uh, Before I tell you, I have to make a confession. When we first started talking about this, for just a brief moment, I thought we were talking about doing a night before Christmas. And I was like, hell, we can do that in like a day. That's short. That's not what what we're doing. As it turns out, we're ruining A Christmas Carol in Prose, Being a Ghost Story of Christmas by Charles Dickens. I'm not going into the whole public domain thing again. If anybody wants to. You just did. (laughs) If anybody wants to know... Go back to our Dracula episodes that we recorded in October, the first ones. We explain public domain somewhat. Yeah, it's, yeah, I'm done. And, and we no lawyers have reached out to us. I, I don't know why. Right. <laughs> Can't find us. <laughs> you know, um, since it's public domain, we also did a little tweaking here and there, such as breaking um, this first stave into two episodes because... As Kim put it so beautifully last episode, thanks for nothing, dickbag. That does sound like something I would say. (laughs) (laughs) Because staves, really? Yeah, like what is a stave? A stave is a musical score notation. It's like the the five lines. It's like it's part of a stanza. Yeah, yeah, it's part of, you know, uh, you have the treble clef and the bass clef. Uh, oh, and the stave is like the lines. And so, was this supposed to be put to music? No, it. Th- that's why it did. No one tell you we're going to be singing this whole thing. <laughs> it's I mean, a okay. Christmas carol in prose. Uh, oh, yeah. too clever by half. Yeah, no. it's a little fucking on the nose. It's a carol. It. We get it, Charlie. We fucking oh. get it. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> But also, stave has another meaning. Oh, it, yes. It, <laughs> because stave is an uh, another word for staff. And okay. since we can't stave it off any longer, as Christ in hold it off me. any longer, <laughs> if Dickens can do it, I can do it. Uh, since we can't stave it off any longer, let's get to it. Yay. I have endeavored in this ghostly little book Oh, that's right. It's a ghost story, essentially. To raise the ghost of an idea. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> oh, my God. Charlie, <laughs> fuck off. Which shall not put my readers out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with me. Oh, well, yeah, right. Jury's still out on that. May it haunt their houses pleasantly and no one wish to lay it. I've had that problem. <laughs> I think we've all gone through dry yeah. spells. Yeah. <laughs> Their faithful friend and servant, CD. He just puts his initials. He doesn't. Well, that's what you do in a preface, you know. Okay. You don't. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. December 1843. Stave one. Marley's ghost. Marley was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, 
and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to, old Marley was as dead as a doornail. And the change is short for the London Stock Exchange. Oh, oh, thank you. And, and Chief Mourner would have actually been like an official post, someone they hired. Oh. You used to hire mourners in those days. Oh, can we bring that back? <laughs> I want that. You got anybody in mind? I, like <laughs> you guys? Well, you guys would be there anyway, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, I'd be there anyway. Like, yeah. I don't know. Uh, how much am I getting paid? <laughs> <laughs> get back to you. And I'm inter- I'm it's interesting to me the the phrase doornail. That is well, a doornail. Well, you know what? Charlie's going to get into it. <gasps> oh. Okay. Mind. I don't mean to say that I know of my own knowledge what there is particularly dead about a doornail. Good point, Charlie. I <laughs> might have been inclined myself to regard to regard a coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade. But the wisdom of our ancestors is in the smile. Simile. Smile. Oh, my God. And I, I'm so out of practice on this. And Next my, time I show up for the audition. Right? <laughs> and my unhallowed hands shall not disturb it or the country's done for. You will therefore permit me to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead as a doornail. Now, are we sure he wasn't getting paid by the word? <laughs> I, I don't know. It. Clearly, he didn't. Clearly, his editor was scared of him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on. Scrooge knew he was dead? Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and he were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge was his sole executor, his sole administrator, his sole assign, his sole residuary leg- legatee, I don't mm-hmm. know that word, his sole friend and sole mourner. And even Scrooge was not so dreadfully cut up by the sad event that he was an excellent man of business on the very day of the funeral and solemnized it with an undoubted bargain. Okay. And legatee basically means someone who receives the legacy oh. or the inheritance. Oh, that's interesting. So he got the money. Oh, yeah. Okay. The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point I started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. How many times has he said that? Is that our new drinking phrase? Marley's dead. <laughs> Marley, is Marley dead. was dead. <laughs> <laughs> this must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I am going to relate. If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play began, there would be nothing more remarkable in his taking a stroll at night in an easterly wind upon his own ramparts than there would be in any other middle-aged gentleman rashly turning out after dark in a breezy spot, say St. Paul's churchyard, for instance, literally to astonish his son's weak mind. (sighs) Okay, Scrooge never painted out old Marley's name. There it stood, years afterwards, above the warehouse door. Scrooge and Marley. The firm was known as Scrooge and Marley. Sometimes people new to the business called Scrooge, Scrooge, and sometimes Marley, but he answered to both names. It was all the same to him. 
Oh, but here was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Use the thesaurus much? Right? (laughs) Hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out generous fire. Secret and self-contained and solitary as an oyster. I love that line. Honestly, I really do. Yeah. uh, Points for Charlie. God damn it. (laughs) The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. A frosty rhyme was on his head and on his eyebrows and his wiry chin. He carried his own low temperature always about with him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw it one degree at Christmas. He's a mean one, Mr. Grinch. (laughs) (laughs) External heat and cold had little influence on Scrooge. No warmth could warm, no wintry weather chill him. No wind that blew was bitterer bitterer than he (laughs) no falling snow was more intent upon its purpose no pelting rain less open to entreaty i feel like dickens has something against london weather right (laughs) oh that might be what's going on here foul weather didn't know where to have him the heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the advantage over him in one in only one respect they often came down handsomely and scrooge never did all right there's a never mind go on (laughs) (laughs) dot 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 family show go on (laughs) no it's not (laughs) (laughs) fuck that Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say with gladsome looks, My dear Scrooge, how are you? When will you come to see me? No beggars implored him to bestow a trifle. No children asked him what it was o'clock. No man or woman ever once in all his life inquired the way to such and such a place of Scrooge. Even the I mean, blind- is that a bad thing? I mean, yeah. Just leave him alone. Jeez. <laughs> right? I mean, it sounds like that's what he wants. So, right? Okay. Even the blind men's dogs appeared to know him, and when they saw him coming on, would tug their owners into doorways and up courts, and then would wag their tails as though they said, No eyes at all is better than an evil eye, dark master wolf. I love it. That's your dog dialect genius. (laughs) I'm doing my best here. (laughs) But what did Scrooge care? Well, we think he didn't. It was the very thing he liked. There we go. To edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance was what the knowing ones call nuts on Scrooge. (laughs) <laughs> once upon a time of he's a all... fucking introvert what's the problem yeah. yeah well he's just like 
on the spectrum, far down introvert side. Yeah. Once upon a time, of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge sat busy in his counting house. It was cold, bleak, biting weather, foggy withal, and he could hear the people in the court outside go wheezing up and down, beating their hands upon their breasts and stamping their feet upon the pavement stones to warm them. The city clocks had only just gone three, but it was quite dark already. It had not been light all day, and candles were flaring in the windows of the neighboring offices like ruddy smears upon the palpable brown air. Ooh, fog- that's some dank pollution. This is, yeah. yeah. Industrialization. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The fog came pouring in at every chink and keyhole and was so dense without that although the court was of the narrowest, the houses opposite were mere phantoms. To see the dingy cloud come drooping down, obscuring everything, one might have thought that nature lived hard by and was brewing on a large scale. I will say I have experienced that kind of fog in Boston before. Like it is literally... You, you feel claustrophobic because you, you can't see in front of you. Wow. Yeah. It, and, yeah, but and is it light, brown? The light, um, uh, <laughs> someday, <laughs> no. Is but, your fog brown? No, thank the unions <laughs> and the EPA. There we go. There we go. <sighs> the door of Scrooge's counting house was open that he might keep his eye upon his clerk who, in a dismal little cell beyond a sort of tank was copying letters. Scrooge had a very small fire, but the clerk's fire was so very much smaller that it looked like one coal. But he couldn't replenish it, for Scrooge kept the coal box in his own room. And so surely as the clerk came in with the shovel, the master predicted that it would be necessary for them to part. What? He's going to get fired. Okay. Wherefore, the clerk put on his white comforter and tried to warm himself at the candle. (laughs) Yeah, good luck with that. In which effort, not being a man of strong imagination, he failed. A Merry Christmas, Uncle, cried a cheerful voice. God save you. It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach. Bah, said Scrooge. (laughs) Humbug. He had so heated himself with rapid walking in the fog and frost, this nephew of Scrooge's, that he was all in a glow. His face was ruddy and handsome. His eyes sparkled and his breath smoked again. Christmas a humbug, uncle. You don't mean that, I am sure. I do. Merry Christmas. What have ri- what right have you to be merry? What reason do you have to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then. The nephew returned gaily. What right do you have to be dismal? What reason have you to be morose? You are rich enough. Scrooge, having no better answer, ready on the spur of the moment. I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) He responds again. (laughs) And followed it up with... Humbug. (laughs) Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in such a world of fools as this? Merry Christmas. Out upon Merry Christmas. What's Christmas time to you but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer. A time for balancing your books and having every item in them through a round dozen a month's presented debt against you? 
If I could work my will, every idiot who goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stake of holly through his heart. He should. And Gee, I have to say that you know. agrees, uh, you know, <laughs> just cut off her head, fill her mouth with garlic and drive a stake, maybe of holly, through her heart. I, 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 uncle, do you need a dunk? <laughs> the nephew pleaded. <laughs> nephew, <laughs> keep Christmas in your own way and let me keep it in mine. Keep it, but you don't keep it. Leave. Let me leave it alone then. Much good may it do you. Much good has it ever done you. There are many things from which I might have derived good, by which I have not profited, I dare say. Christmas among the rest. But I'm always sure, sure I have thought of Christmas time when it has come round, apart from the veneration due to its sacred name and origin. If anything belonging to it can be apart from that, as a good time, a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time, the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year when men and women seem by one constant to open their shut-up hearts freely, and to think of people below them as if they were really fellow passengers to the grave and not another race of creatures bound on other journeys and therefore uncle though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket i believe it has done me good and will do me good and i say god bless it (laughs) the clerk in the tank involuntarily applauded it's overcome with emotion Becoming and hypothermia. <laughs> Becoming immediately sensible of the impropriety, he poked the fire and extinguished the last frail spark forever. Let me hear another sound out of you and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. He then turned to his nephew. You're quite a powerful speaker, sir. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Don't be angry, Uncle. Come, dine with us tomorrow. Scrooge said that he would see him. Yes, indeed, he did. He went the whole length of the expression and said that he would see him in that extremity first. But why? I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Why did you get married? Because I fell in love? Because you fell in love, growled Scrooge, as if that were the only one thing in the world more ridiculous than a Merry Christmas. Good afternoon. Nay, uncle, but you never came to see me before that happened. Why give it as a reason for not coming now? Good afternoon. I want nothing from you. I ask nothing of you. Why cannot we be friends? Good afternoon. I am sorry with all my heart. Oh, my God. He just won't take the hint to find you so resolute. We've never had any quarrel to which I've been a party, but I've been made the trial in homage to Christmas and I'll keep my Christmas humor to the last. So a Merry Christmas, Uncle. Good afternoon. And a Happy New Year. F you, you effing F. Good fucking afternoon, you goddamn son of a bitch. Piece of shit. (sighs) Okay. His nephew left the room without an angry word, notwithstanding. He stopped at the outer door to bestow the greetings of the season on the clerk, who, cold as he was, was warmer than Scrooge, for he returned them cordially. There's another fellow, my clerk, with 15 shillings a week and a wife and a family talking about a Merry Christmas. I'll retire the fucking bedlam. (laughs) This lunatic, in letting Scrooge's nephew out, had let two other people in. Oh, no. God damn it. (laughs) (laughs) They were portly gentlemen, pleasant to behold, and now stood with their hats off in Scrooge's office. They had books and papers in their hands and bowed to him. 
Scrooge and Marley's, I believe, said one of the gentlemen, referring to his list. Have I the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Mr. Marley's been dead these seven years. He died seven years ago this very night. <clears throat> we, uh, sensitivity. Okay, <laughs> I'll assume that you're not him then. We have no <laughs> doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner, said the gentleman presenting his credentials. It certainly was, for they had been two kindred spirits at the ominous word liberality. Scrooge frowned and <laughs> shook his head and <laughs> handed the credentials back. At this festive season of the year, Mr. Scrooge, it is more than usually desirable that we should make some slight provision for the poor and destitute who suffer greatly at the present time. Many thousands are in want of common necessaries. Hundreds of thousands are in want of common comfort, sir. Are there no prisons? Uh, plenty of prisons, said the gentleman, laying down the pen again. And the union workhouses, are they still in operation? They are. Still, I wish I could say they were not. The treadmill and the pool are in full vigor then, right? What the fuck is wrong with you, man? <laughs> Both are very busy, sir. Oh, I was afraid from what you said at first that something had occurred to stop them in their useful course. I'm very glad to hear it. Under the impression that they scarcely furnish Christian cheer of mind or body to the multitude, a few of us are endeavoring to raise a fund to buy the poor some meat and drink and means of warmth. We chose this time because it's a time of all others when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices. What shall I put you down for? Fucking nothing. <laughs> uh, you wish to be anonymous? I wish to be left goddamn the fuck alone. <laughs> <laughs> becoming a parent <laughs> since you ask me what i wish gentlemen that is my answer i don't make merry myself at christmas and i can't afford to make idle people merry i help to support the establishments i have mentioned they cost enough and those who are badly off must go there and many can't go there and many would rather die well if they'd rather die they'd better do it and decrease the surplus surplus population Whew, i need a minute after that one <laughs> besides excuse me i don't know that but you might know it. It's not my business. It's enough for a man to understand his own business and not to interfere with other people's. Mine occupies me constantly. Good goddamn fucking final forever. Don't fucking think about it. Fucking coming back afternoon, gentlemen. Wow. <laughs> Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue their point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself and in a more facetious temper than was usual with him. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened so that people ran about with flaring links. Flaring links? Like like a lighter? Cufflinks. Their arms were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, the visual now. Oh dear. <laughs> Thank you, Kate and Kim, <laughs> proffering their services to go, before, to go before horses in carriages and conduct them on their way. They're the ancient tower of a church whose gruff old bell was always peeping slyly down at Scrooge out of a gothic window in the wall became invisible and struck the hours and quarters in the clouds with tremulous vibrations afterwards as if its teeth were chattering in its frozen head up there. That's okay, can we image. workshop this metaphor a little bit? Like, it's a, it's a little clunky. Uh, I mean, I kind of like the imagery that he's going for there, but yeah, it, it needs a little work. Yeah. 
The cold became intense. In the main street, at the corners of the court, some laborers were repairing the gas pipes and had lighted a great fire in a brazier. What? Brazier. A brazier. Bra- yeah. brazier? If, you're working on, if you're working on the gas, you definitely want an open fire nearby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, round which a party of ragged men and boys were gathered, warming their hands and winking their eyes before the blaze in rapture. The water plug being left in solitude, its overflowings sullenly congealed and turned to misanthropic rice. Rice, oh my God. Ice. <laughs> Maybe there's rice there. Maybe there's rice. The brightness of the shops were where holly sprigs and berries crackled in the lamp heat of the windows, made pale faces ruddy as they passed. Poulterers, I guess that's <laughs> that of a butcher, and grocers' trades became a splendid joke, a glorious pageant with which it was next to impossible to believe that such dull principles as bargain and sale had anything to do. The Lord Mayor, in the stronghold of the mighty mansion house, gave orders to his fifty cooks and butlers to keep Christmas as a Lord Mayor's household should, and even the little tailor, whom he had fined five shillings on the previous Monday for being drunk and bloodthirsty in the streets, stirred up tomorrow's pudding in his garret, Mm -hmm. while his lean wife and the baby sallied out to buy the beef. Foggier yet and colder, piercing, searching, biting cold, if the good St. Dunstan had but nipped the evil spirit's nose with a touch of such weather as that, instead of using his familiar weapons, then indeed he would have roared to lusty purpose. The owner of one scant young nose gnawed and mumbled by the hungry cold as bones are gnawed by dogs, stooped down at Scrooge's keyhole to regale him with a Christmas carol, <laughs> but at the first sound of God bless you, merry gentlemen, may nothing you dismay. That was terrifying. <laughs> Scrooge seized the ruler with such energy of action that the singer fled in terror, leaving God damn it! <laughs> Leaving the keyhole to the fog and even more congenial frost. Shut the fuck up! (laughs) At length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted from his stool and tacitly admitted the fact to the expectant clerk in the tank, who instantly snuffed his candle out and put on his hat. You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose. If quite convenient, sir. It's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to stop a half a crown for it, you'd think yourself a little used I'd be bound. The clerk smiled faintly. And yet you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. The clerk observed that it was only once a year. A poor excuse for picking a man's pockets every 25th of December. Said Scrooge, buttoning his great coat to the chin. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the ex- earlier next morning, huh? The clerk promised that he would. And Scrooge walked out with a growl. <laughs> the, office, <laughs> the office was closed in a twinkling and the clerk with the long ends of his white comforter dangling below his waist, for he boasted no great coat, 
went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys 20 times in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt to play at Blind Man's Bluff. Blind so Man's I think, Bluff. yeah, I think what they're trying to say is that it's cold and Scrooge is an asshole. Um, or he's just an ultra introvert and does not like. He doesn't like the pores. He's he got doesn't like the pores. She's got shit to do, man. All right. <laughs> that, in that case, that's where we'll stop for today. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have to. There was an interesting observation I made when I was watching the movie Spirited. This is mm-hmm. not a paid endorsement. Um, I like Ryan Reynolds. I like Will Ferrell. I watched the movie. It's hilarious. Oh, okay. Um, they talked about the phrase good afternoon mm-hmm. and because they use it in the movie oh, they do then as we saw here it actually comes from the original story yeah and i had i'd never read the story until this until today apparently yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was interesting to me after watching the movie and they kind of play, they really play up the whole good afternoon as if that's kind of the equivalent of saying F you. It really is. I mean, actually in, in linguistic parlance, you know, up until about the mid 20th century, it really was the way of sort of putting an end to a conversation that was the polite way. It was like the King James version way of saying, fuck you. Um, (laughs) But people would say, you know, good afternoon or good morning, or, you know, it's like saying good night um, or good day. But, you know, again, it's a little formal, it's out of date, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah, it it really was the fuck you. And also all of the puddings that they are stirring up, I I just want to say I I get it because <laughs> I I have a pudding that I am babying through its final week of brandy soaking. Oh, that's right. Your, yeah. your fire yeah. cake. Fire yeah. cake. You you do this is the what third or fourth year? Or do you, has this it been going the, on longer? I think this is. Let's see. I started doing it in 2018. Has anybody wow. ever eaten the results? Yes, you did. What? You may not remember, but that one year you came over, (laughs) you ate it. This was was when you were you were still in In Boston, Boston, right? Yeah, 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 I remember. It was good. I think it was good. Uh, It doesn't matter. There was so much brandy in it. I don't remember if it was good. There you go. That's that's the point. But also, I just want to point out that Bob Cratchit here's a dude wearing a quilt, right? right? Like, and then he goes and, and goes sledding with the kids with no sled, just his quilt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the also the play at Blind Man's Bluff is kind of um, a, again, Charlie working really hard at the double entendre overthought metaphor because, you know, here he is obviously in desperate circumstances and he's you know, pretending or he's acting as though everything is fine. Right. Ah, okay. So, you know, blind man's bluff. He's, you know, he's acting blind to his desperate circumstances, hoping mm. that they'll get better. Wow. Wow. Uh, I wonder if that's going to happen. What's coming in the next chapter, Kate? 
It's Ghost Adventures. Yay! Yay! Get your e-meters and night vision goggles. Because <laughs> Marley's back and has got some shit to say and it isn't legalize it. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Oh, wait. Different Marley. Damn it. <laughs> oh, anyway, don't forget to check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash drunk mythology gals. Yeah, I'm supposed to say something about Patreon as well, but I got nothing. It's it's there. It's awesome. It's we got awesome stuff over there. Stickers? Discounts mm-hmm. on merch. Yeah. yeah. There we go. So, merch. Yeah. yeah. So thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if you're like, hey, happy holidays, Merry Christmas. And they're like, fuck off, fuck the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> good day to you. I say good day, sir. <laughs> good afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> Always remember if the poor on their treadmill can behave badly, then so can you.